Welcome to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. This is the place where you'll learn cutting-edge personal brand strategies from today's most recognizable influencers. We're going to teach you how to build a rock-solid reputation and then how to turn that reputation into revenue. I'm your lead host, Rory Vaden, co-founder of Brand Builders Group, Hall of Fame speaker, and New York Times bestselling author of Take the Stairs. So excited to introduce you to someone who I think is one of the top thought leaders in the world today in his space. In fact, AJ was asking me, she's like, I know I've heard of Neil Patel. And I said, well, he's basically the world's top thinker on SEO, search engine optimization, as well as a number of other you know, digital marketing related initiatives, which we're going to talk about today. If you have never met him, he is a New York Times bestselling author of a book called Hustle. He hosts the Marketing School podcast with his pal, Eric. It's a fantastic podcast. It's super short every day. And they, you know, they cover a variety of different topics. I've been listening here in the last few months, pretty much on repeat. But he also is the founder of a company called Crazy Egg and a tool called Crazy Egg, which we maybe will talk about. And then Uber Suggest, which some of you, even if you don't recognize Neil, you've probably used Uber Suggest, which we will talk about. So anyways, our mutual friend, Jay Bears, who connected me. And Neil, welcome to the show. It's good to meet you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's rare that I have people on that I don't know personally, but uh, even though you and I are just meeting, you know, I've been a fan of your stuff for a while. And I thought your expertise clearly would be relevant to our audience. And I want to start just right inside of search engine optimization, specifically for personal brands. And I would say, you know, a lot of our audience, you know, they know what search engine optimization is, but they easily get overwhelmed by it. They're not highly technical people. Most of our audience is more mission-driven messengers is what we call them. And, you know, of course, the 2080 rule says that, you know, 20% of your activities will return 80% of the results. If I'm a personal brand and I've got like a blog, you know, or a podcast, what's kind of the 20%, you know, the fundamentals of SEO that today, like in the current time, I need to make sure I'm doing this with my site, with my posts every week. And if it's like, if I just do these few things consistently for the long term, it'll work out. Maybe not like the most ninja stuff, but like what's the core fundamentals I have to nail? So the big one is just posting content. You know, the biggest thing that you find is people post a content or two, and then they're just like, oh, it's a lot of work. You got to be consistent and you got to keep doing it. And you got to do it for like a year, literally a year. And you got to be consistent like three times a week for a year. And if you do that, you'll start seeing results. But what most people don't realize is, is stuff on the web, when you post content, it's hit or miss, whether it's an image on Instagram or a blog post or a video on YouTube, it literally is hit or miss. There's no guarantee that just because you think it's amazing and it's a hot topic, it's going to do well. And people have to play the numbers game. Now, it doesn't mean you put out crap. You just have to try to put out high quality stuff each and every single time and you'll get your hits and misses. But that's the biggest thing that people make a mistake on is they're not consistent and with the consistency, it also comes time, right? You have to be patient. You can't just have it happen in two or three months or anything like that. And so does this have, I mean, does that mean even you where, you know, you know how to optimize a post, you put something out, it's still like, you still have a lot you know, posts that don't hit, they don't go that well, even if they're optimized well. I mean, is that what you're saying? Even, you know, at your level that you bump into that? Yeah. 
all the time. I have stuff that misses all the time. Even if it's well optimized and stuff, it still doesn't do well. It's hit or miss. It really is for so many people and they just don't realize that. The next thing that you have to keep in mind too is when you're doing this, you got to do your keyword research. See, if you want to build up a brand, let's say you're a doctor or a real estate professional or a book author. And let's say I'm writing a book on, I don't know, losing weight. If you look at the keywords and losing weight is really popular and searched a lot, probably do well because it shows that people are interested in that. On the flip side though, if you want to be known for, I'm trying to think of something super vague right now. If you want to be known for- Like motivational uh, speaker. How about that? Yeah, motivational speaker is a big market. But if you want to be known for Clubhouse marketing tactics, Clubhouse is blowing up. But the problem with Clubhouse is, is it's still small. Even if you dominate, your brand's only going to be so big. You know, and if you look at trends, people are like, oh, there's growth hacking now. This is a cool term and all this. A lot of these terms and these buzzwords are still not as popular as the major categories. Like losing weight is a massive category. I don't care who you are. There may be some new thing like acai or something that you can eat or drink that causes you to do better. But in general, if you end up going after big categories, popular keywords in essence, it's much easier to build a brand than if you go after small categories. I mean, this, this kind of reminds me of like, you know, on Shark Tank, they're always trying to determine like, what's the market? Like, what's the total yes. potential addressable market? market? Addressable, yeah, the total addressable market. So it's really similar. But so let's go down that for a second. So let's say you go after losing weight, which is not super niche. And there's a big market for it. But then on the flip side, I go, well, yeah, there's definitely a huge market for it, but there's a lot of competition. Like, I'm never going to rank on the top 10 pages organically for a term like losing weight. So is it better to go after broad terms that have mass appeal, even though I might rank much lower, or do I want to go at like a very specific term, like with an individual post or something that it's like, I really want to get, you know, using infrared saunas to lose weight, you know? How do you balance the like the big total addressable market with like the competition and being able to like own a keyword? So you want to first go after how to lose weight with these red infrared saunas. Okay. And then then you want you want to go after how to lose weight by intermittent fasting, right? We're getting super specific. And then in general, as you do that and you gobble a lot of these little terms, and you do that for like six months and you keep doing it for another quarter. Then you do it for another year. So after that 12-month mark, you've gotten a lot of traction on these little terms. Then you want to go after the bigger terms. Interesting. So, and you're saying, so you're kind of like start narrow, do it consistently, but narrow inside of this kind of big umbrella. Exactly. So you can't start narrow in a small market and then be like, I'm going to go broad because that doesn't work because the market's too small. You want to start narrow in a big market that you can easily expand you know, and still be an expert. Because you talk about how to lose weight through intermittent fasting or dieting or how to lose weight for men or women or exercise that helps you lose weight in your stomach, exercise that helps you lose weight in your arms. And you get super specific, you're still known as someone who teaches you how to lose weight. So you're still branding yourself as that weight loss expert. But you want to focus on all the niches because they're just not competitive. You just want to go from day one saying, I want to be this person that teaches you how to lose weight, period. Well, you got another million people that you're competing with. So good luck. 
But if you start in this little niche and then expand yourself, it's easier to build a brand. And would you use whatever the big market term is, like lose weight in this example, would you say that each one of those kind of individual micro-focused posts, are you still including that term? So it's like the big mothership term that you're going after. All of the small posts are also indexed for that same term. So it's like your overall site is attacking this big term. I don't do it on purpose, but it happens naturally. Right. Mm -hmm. So, because if you're talking about how to lose weight in your belly, you're imagining like losing fat, which is another word of losing weight, right? Or losing, you know, your love handles. That's another example of losing weight or getting toned up. But Google is like a thesaurus. And a lot of these platforms are like thesauruses and dictionaries where they understand what you mean and they understand there's all these different variations because they understand user behavior. So, yeah, you want to focus smaller and then expand upwards. And that model works extremely well. And when you're using tools like Ubersys to do your keyword research, you just type in the term like how to lose weight. It'll tell you all the segments that roll up into how to lose weight. So that way- Can we talk about that for a second? Because I, I wanted to mention Ubersuggest because I think actually my guess is actually a large part of our audience doesn't actually know of that term. I bet yeah. probably about half of them do. But what is Ubersuggest? How do you use it? Why do you use it? And like, you know, if you're just hearing about it the first time, like what do I go do there? Sure. So you just go to ubersuggest.com or you can just Google for ubersuggest. It'll land you on, uh, it forwards to the neilpatel.com website. And on that page, you just put in a keyword related to your space. And it'll tell you all the keywords, how hard they are to get traffic for, to build your brand for, how popular they are, how expensive they are if you want to run ads against those keywords. And it'll also tell you all the longer tail terms right? Like how to lose weight through intermittent fasting. That's a longer tail term, multiple three, four word phrases. It'll tell you all the longer tail terms that are popular that convert well and are easier to be known for and get results quicker from. Uh-huh. So yeah, we'll put a link to that, of course, into the show notes, but Uber suggests is where you go. And then the other thing you can do too, right, is you can look up what mm -hmm. some of your competitors are doing as well, right? So you could type in their domain and it'll kind of tell you these are the terms that they're indexing for like more or less, right? Exactly. You got it right. So coming back to the competition thing, and I just want to make sure I've got this pegged is going, all right. So if there's a highly competitive term, then it's kind of like, do I aim at that highly competitive term? Like if there's a lot of volume around it, or do I go for the term where it's like there's, you know, 125 searches a month, but it's a much less competitive term. And what I kind of hear you saying is it's like both. It's kind of like you create individual pieces of content to go after the small ones while you sort of position your overall site and content to kind of go after the big ones. Is that the right way to think yeah, about it? I'll even be more specific. At first, start off with the terms that get at least 500 searches a month, which UberSales okay. will tell you that aren't competitive. And there's this score called SEO difficulty. SEO difficulty tells you how competitive it is. So any number under 40 is less competitive. So go after terms that have at least 500 searches a month. That means they're popular, somewhat popular, but not that popular, but popular enough and have a SEO difficulty score of 40 or lower. And as you do this after a year, you can start targeting terms that are getting, you know, minimum of 5,000 searches a month or however number you want. And you can target terms that have an SEO difficulty score of 60 or 70 or under. 
And you may find terms in between that are like, hey, there's this term that gets 17,000 searches a month and the SEO difficulty score is 20. That means it's a great keyword and no one's going after it, right? And if you feel that's really relevant to your space and you can convert people off that term because it's related to what you do and what you want to brand yourself on, go for it. But the big thing is, is you want that minimum bar 500 because 500 searches doesn't mean you're going to get 500 people to your website. It just means 500 people are searching for it. And the reason I say 500 is, remember, even if there's a term like how to lose your belly fat, people may also type in belly fat weight problems. They may also type in belly fat weight, all similar terms. So what you'll find is even though that term only had 500 searches, you'll start ranking for all these other random terms that you didn't think about. So it actually adds up to more over time. Hi, it's AJ Vaden. And thanks for listening to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. Did you know that the ideas we share on the show are things we actually specialize in helping you implement? If you want to raise your public profile and turn your reputation into revenue, please visit freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for a free brand strategy call with one of our personal brand strategists. Again, that's freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for your free call. Talk to you soon. I love that. Well, I think it's super helpful to have the like, you know, those minimum thresholds. That's just super helpful yeah. to have the specificity of that. And then, yeah, I mean, I guess when I think about going after these things, like when I think of SEO, somehow I feel like I'm missing it, right? Like I go, well, I know to do keyword research and I know for every single post, I'm going to pick, you know, there's like three key terms I'm going to target at with this post. And then there's some overall terms. And then it's like, hey, I'm going to make sure my title tags are updated, you know, like my H1 tags. I'm going to make sure the meta description has, you know, is updated. I'm going to make sure the URL has in it the name of the terms, which if I usually, if I have a title of a blog post and then I just post stuff, is that it? I mean, is that it? And it's basically just that times consistency times time. You also need to promote too. So when you post stuff, you need to share sure. it on the social web. If you're linking out to people within your articles, email them, letting them know that you link to them. Like I may email you or we know Jay, I may, we may email Jay saying, Hey Jay, even if I didn't know him, Hey Jay, I linked out to you in my article, check out here. Hope you like it. If you enjoy it, feel free and share it. Like little things like that will get more buzz. So then that way it does better. But those are the two things that you can easily do. Share it on your social. And second is, is email the people you link to and ask them to share it. And that's it. It's basically, you know, do yeah, the do the fundamentals on the back. Science. I'm not the smartest person by any means. I'm just consistent and I'm willing to grind it out while other people are quitting. Well, I love that. And the other thing that's interesting about this, you know, is just like most of what we're talking about today, it would have been true five years ago. I mean, yeah. it's, it, it's we, we think of it as like it's changing all the time. But what you're saying is like most of the fundamentals here actually aren't changing that much. Yeah. It's it's basically just doing it consistently. I believe that it'll work in the next three, four years. And I don't think much will change for this exact strategy, right? To build your brand. Because you have to remember, just if you don't go viral on the web, who cares? You know, most people don't. Like the guy drinking cranberry juice, right? On that longboard, which is actually a cool video. And good for him for doing that. But people always will type in how to lose belly fat on Google or whatever right. sector you're in and trying to build a brand. There's always 
problems or queries people are asking. Just like you may ask Alexa or Siri a question. It's the same thing. That's what people use Google. And that builds a brand. It's just consistency over time and people continue finding stuff. You know how many kids these days are probably like, how to improve my three-shot jumper, right? Like when it comes to basketball or anything. It's just like- Very specific. Yeah, people get very specific. That's what the traffic is around the web. And when you get specific, people are like, oh, wow, you know how to solve my exact problem. You're an expert. That's how you build a brand. Mm -hmm. So this is a perfect segue. I was going to ask you about voice because that is the voice search, Alexa and Google and, you know, Facebook, like that to me does feel a bit like a new frontier that's emerging in terms of more and more people are just asking Siri or they're, you know, just saying, Hey, Google or Alexa, whatever. Is there anything that we need to be doing now to prepare for that forthcoming trend? Because it seems like the data is pointing to that more, there's more and more growing search happening through those voice. I don't even know what you call those, but those voice activated search. There's not much you actually have to do. So these devices are already figuring out how to pull. The biggest thing that you can do is one, make sure your website loads fast because they don't, if it loads slow, then it's going to take them forever to crawl your site and get the data. And the second thing is use schema markup. Schema markup, if you just Google for it, there's these tools provided by Google that just help you with it. And it just ensures that these devices, when they're crawling your site, they can easily understand what your website is about and the text. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is the schema markup thing is a new thing that I didn't realize. Just basically telling Google, this is a table on blank, right? And just even more specific, this is a question. This is my restaurant rating. I have 4.5 out of five stars. That's what that means. These are reviews. I have 112 reviews. So when you get mm. super specific, it allows Google to know what each individual section, because having the word reviews can mean multiple things. Using schema market to say, these are reviews on my restaurant, on my product, on my course, on mm. my coaching services, right? That gets very specific. In schema markup, there's also something called question and answers. This is a question. A question be, could be, what is personal branding? And this is an answer. The answer is personal branding is, you probably know that one better than me, and then you <laughs> the definition, right? So getting super specific like it, that's what schema markup is. It's not really changing how your webpage looks or anything like that. It's just your code. So that way Google can more so understand what you're trying to push out. And these voice search devices love using that. Interesting. All right. So if we're doing schema markup and we're doing meta descriptions and we're you know, doing keyword research and all that stuff, the voice tools are using the same mechanisms to index Correct. stuff. So we're okay there. Okay. I want to turn for a second to CRO, conversion rate optimization, because this is something that y'all do. You created a tool that is like one of the industry best tools, Crazy Egg. Can you tell us, and for our audience specifically, you know, a lot of what we will teach them to do is you know, basically let people sample your expertise for free, which often happens by way of an online training or video training. And so usually there's some type of a registration page that people are coming to, like a squeeze page to capture a name and email address. And these are pages where the conversion rate matters tremendously, especially if you're driving paid traffic. I think heat mapping is something that a lot of people still don't know about and do. And Crazy Egg is that tool. So can you talk about like, what is heat mapping? What is crazy egg? And then specifically, how would we use it or what would we be looking for to optimize a certain, any specific page? Sure. So if you're building a personal brand, you may collect emails, you may have 
articles that help build your brand like we discussed. You may be selling products eventually. If you're a doctor trying to get people to buy your supplements or schedule appointments, or if you're a fitness trainer, getting people to schedule some coaching sessions with you, whatever it may be. What Crazy Egg does is like you mentioned heat map. It shows you where people click and where they don't. One is if you found out through a Crazy Egg test, everyone's clicking on this image of yours, thinking they can buy it, but the image isn't clickable. You can then go and fix that and make it a link where they can buy. Or one's if you have this sales page that sells them on your services or your newsletter or your digital products. And then majority of the people, because Crazy Egg will show you in the heat map as they're scrolling, what portion of the page are majority leaving? Mm. One's if they leave after scrolling 25%, but all the good stuff where you're selling them is at the very bottom in the last 90%. Then mm. you know that, hey, I'm not getting people down there. I need to adjust the copy. It shows you how someone's navigating so you can see where they're getting stuck. Like if they're reading an article and you notice that everyone's leaving after a certain paragraph, well, maybe you said something in there that they don't like or they don't believe in and you can go in and fix it. So you're basically just, it's almost like, it's kind of like what a video camera might be to like a grocery store where you see like the path yeah. people go through the aisles. It's kind of the same thing, but for your website to see where the cursor moves. Exactly. Like if you see that everyone at a grocery store is picking something up from the very bottom shelf in an aisle and it's the most popular area, but they're not picking the stuff up from the middle, you probably should move the products at the very bottom in the middle and the stuff in the yeah. middle at the bottom. Right. And that's what crazy will show you. It'll show you where people are spending their time or attention. Even with the page, it'll show you the elements they're spending most time on. Cause sometimes people scroll and skip a lot of stuff and they get to the meat. And if that's where they're spending their time, well, then you can just get rid of all the stuff in the middle and just put the meat higher up, right? So it's basically just observing their behavior and then just saying, what are they wanting? What are they doing? And then just trying to give them that, make it easier for them to get to what they're wanting to get to or what they're spending time on and then taking away the things that are making them leave or you know bug out or whatever. That's, I mean, it's pretty simple. Is it super technical to incorporate heat mapping into a website? Like, how do you, I mean, is it, do I need to like hire a programmer? No, you just paste this piece of code on your website or install a plugin. Like you can install a WordPress plugin or a Shopify plugin, whatever it may be. In your case, I'm assuming more WordPress. And that's it. It does it all for you automatically. Wow. I love it. I love it. Neil, where should people go? You know, I already mentioned you've got the Marketing School podcast. You guys are covering all sorts of, you know, interesting little topics and things there. You got your book, Crazy Egg, Uber Suggest. Anything else that you would point people to in terms of how they can just connect with you and follow up with more of what you're doing? You can find all my details at neilpatel.com for my social profiles, to my blog, all the tools, all that stuff. Awesome. Well, yeah, I know we didn't really talk that much about how you built your personal brand, but I really also holds you up as an example of someone who has dominated a space, just given tons of value, give, 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 give. And just over time, you know, more and more, it's just like you have built such a strong reputation. So thank you. Hey, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. That's all we've got for this episode of the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. But here's some great news. One of the most valuable things you can do to help us and other new potential listeners to find our show is for you to both rate this show and leave a review. So as a special bonus for you, if you leave us a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen, take a screenshot of your review and email it 
to podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. We will give you free lifetime access to 25 of our most popular interviews on video in your own private members-only area. So go right now, rate us, review us, and then send a screenshot of it into podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. And we will get you set up with free lifetime access to our most popular video interviews all in one place. Also, please just share, share, share this podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember that building a business isn't nearly as valuable as building a reputation.